Good morning, everyone. My name is Brett Machat. I am the worship and young adults pastor here at Life Community Church, and I am serious when I say that I am so excited to be here right now. I almost just said, I am so nervous right now. I'm serious when I say that. Uh, no, I am, but I'm excited. Uh, and before we dive into the book of Ruth together, that's what we're going to be talking about this morning, uh, I want to take a quick moment and talk about what it looks like to treat this part of the service, the message portion, as an act of worship. And we kind of had an opportunity to do that earlier as we were praying. We weren't just praying together. We were worshiping the Lord together through our prayer, something that I'm obviously very passionate about. Um, and so I feel like I feel like sometimes at the end of worship, we ask you guys to have a seat and you sit down. And I don't know, maybe I'm the only one who's ever thought about this, but I think something happens in our minds or in our hearts, something along the lines of, all right, I'm going to take a, take a seat. All right, worship is over. It's time to sit and listen to the message. Maybe I'll take some notes here or there, but for the most part, I'm here to listen. And I don't want to generalize all of you, even though it's exactly what I did. Uh, I'm sure not all of you do that. Um, and while that isn't completely wrong, I want to call all of us to do more than that. And Definitely not just for this morning, because I'm speaking, but for the mornings to come. I want to encourage you to take part in worshiping the Lord during the message. And so we have the opportunity each Sunday to not only worship God with our mouths and our voices during uh, the singing, but also with our ears, with our minds, and with our hearts uh, during the message. So I have, a, I have a prayer for us that can help us do that. It can direct us. And I keep saying us because I am included with this. Uh, so let's pray together. I am going to lead you all along. You guys can just repeat after me. Uh, everybody ready? Can I get some nods? Okay, cool. All right, let's pray. So repeat after me. God, I open my ears to hear the speaker. God, I offer my mind to be grown and challenged by your word. God, I give you my heart and soul to be molded and changed by your spirit right here in this moment as an act of worship. Amen. Awesome. That was exciting, wasn't it? It's, uh, it's cool to do something together. Amen. All right, amen, amen, amen. Let's talk about men. That was much better of a response than I thought I would get. I'm going to be real honest. That joke is terrible. All right. Uh, and I don't just mean any men. I mean like manly men, like the kind of men that other men look at and say, wow, that is a man. And I like to think that it's no coincidence that I stand before you all. <laughs> Just going to turn the page right there. All right. I had so much more, and we're just going to stop it right there. Anyways, um, but yeah, men, uh, I have some examples of what our culture, America, would say are some manly men and for, for different reasons. And we're going to fly through this. I had a ton of anecdotes about all of them, but we don't have time for that. So we're going to start out with some movie and TV stars. First up, we got Chuck Norris. The guy has a bunch of jokes about how he's so manly. Like, he doesn't do a push-up. He pushes the earth down. Like, that's just insane. Uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. 
nickname, literally the rock. Rocks are manly. Uh, his arm, the size of my torso. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what else to say about him. He's, he's both like exciting and inviting and also terrifying. Um, then you've got Bruce Lee, uh, actor, director, martial artist, expertise in a lot of different things. Uh, these guys are manly. They could take out, well, okay, well, it, I was going to say they could take me out, but that wouldn't, if I'm honest, that wouldn't take a lot. They could take out anybody in this room. Uh, we've got some fictional characters who I believe excel in manliness. We've got the Man of Steel himself, Superman. Uh, we've got Captain America, who in recent years has become quite the icon. Uh, and then we do not have Jim Halpert. <laughs> uh, as I was doing this, I realized people might look at John Krasinski and think, Jim Halpert? No, this is a picture of John Krasinski as Jack Ryan. Does anybody read the Tom Clancy novels? Anybody see the TV show a little bit? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I should probably read those books. But uh, They're manly because they preserve safety and justice for others, at least in my eyes they are. Uh, next, we've got some successful businessmen, some people who have made a lot of money. We've got Bill Gates, a creator of Microsoft. We've got Mark Zuckerberg, a creator of Facebook. We've got Warren Buffett, not the writer of Margaritaville. That is Jimmy Buffett, <laughs> which I did know before looking this up, but I just had to say it. Warren Buffett, entrepreneurist, uh, is that a word? Entrepreneur, uh, investor, guy's loaded. Guy's got a lot of money. So these are some smart, successful businessmen who make a lot of money. Some people might consider that to be manly. Uh, and either, uh, all these men are either fictional or successful in their own right, but does that really make them manly men? Uh, maybe, but no matter what, I'd like to introduce you to someone today who I believe to be a manly man for all of the right reasons. We've been going through the book of Ruth the past couple of weeks, and it is finally time to take a microscope to the character of Boaz, a very, very important person in the book of Ruth. Uh, before we dive into the person of Boaz, let's summarize what we've talked about the past couple of weeks. I'm going to do a really quick summary of the book of Ruth. On our first week, we looked at Naomi and her incredibly sad story. She married a man named Elimelech, and together they had two sons. And those sons, uh, and then they moved from Bethlehem to a new land called Moab, and they married two women there. Their names were Orpah and Ruth. Uh, and tragically and suddenly, Naomi's husband, Elimelech, and not only him, but their two sons passed away very, very suddenly. And Naomi was just left with Ruth and Orpah until Orpah left her as well. So it was literally just Naomi and Ruth. And together they made the decision to go back to Naomi's home in Bethlehem. In our second and third week, we looked at our title character, Ruth. We learned how she was incredibly faithful to Naomi, even to the point of leaving her home in Moab and moving to Bethlehem, which is where Naomi was from. It was there that through much faith and obedience to not only Naomi, but also to the God of the land, Naomi's God, our God, Yahweh, Ruth met and married a man that we're going to talk about today. His name was Boaz, who just so happened to be a relative of Naomi. And by their marriage, Ruth and Boaz were able to redeem the bloodline of Naomi and eventually continue God's plan through their descendants. And we'll get to all that in just a second. Ruth through her faith, her boldness, and her obedience, gives us a glimpse of what a godly woman looks like. So this week, today, through Boaz, we will get a glimpse of what a godly and manly man looks like. First, let's turn together in our Bibles to Ruth chapter 2 and look at how Boaz fits into the story. So if you've got a physical copy of your Bible, if you've got it on your phone, you can turn with me 
to chapter 2, verse 1. It will also be up on the screens. And I'm going to read. You guys can follow along. We've got a good amount of scripture reading to do today, so bear with me. It's important. Verse 1 says, Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. She's talking about Boaz. And she, Naomi, said to her, Ruth, Go, my daughter. So she, Ruth, set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Verse 5, change slides. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab, just like we talked about. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now, listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my women, to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Excuse me. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, and this is really important, don't miss this part. All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. And how you left your father and your mother in your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she, Ruth, said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come, here, and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain, and she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over still. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also pull out some from the bundles for her, and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. All right. So what do we see from Boaz in chapter 2? Well, there are a lot of firsts happening. A lot of firsts happening. So first mention of Boaz, he is titled a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech. Like, wow. It's not just like, who's that guy? It's Boaz. Like, I would, I'd love it if instead of people said like, hey, who's that guy? That's Brett. If somebody was like, who's that guy? That is a worthy man from the clan of the Mashats right there. Like, <laughs> that would be amazing. Probably I haven't earned that yet now that I think about it, but wouldn't that be cool to be referred to in such high esteem? Um, so not only is he related to Naomi, notice the clan of Elimelech, that was her, her husband that passed away, um, but, which will come up later, but he is a worthy man. 
The first thing he says in the passage is the Lord be with you. And he says this to his workers. And the response of the workers back to him is the Lord bless you. So we can gather that Boaz has a rapport with his workers that is centered on the Lord, which is awesome and astounding. And I, I don't know for sure, but I, I'm not going to assume that all of them were followers of the same God uh, as Boaz. And yet he had that respect gained from them, that they would still respond in that way, which I think is amazing. The first thing that Boaz says to Ruth centers on making sure that all of her physical needs are met to the best of his ability. He sees her needs and not only meets them, but as you see, as the whole passage goes on, he goes above and beyond. And finally, when Ruth asks Boaz why he's doing all this, he responds by pointing to her own faithfulness and trust in Naomi. This shows that Boaz was impressed with Ruth's character and understood the opportunity he had to bless her in God's name. He says this, he says, the Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And as we read on in chapters three and four, Boaz is continually faced with opportunities to bless Ruth and her household, and he doesn't miss a beat with any of them. In chapter three, we see Naomi instruct Ruth to go to Boaz's house late at night after he's fallen asleep, lay at his bedside, pull the covers off of his feet so he wakes up, and basically tell him to take care of her because he is a redeemer. Uh, yeah, that's a lot. That is a lot that she does. Um, and, and props to Ruth and her boldness and faith in doing all of this. And also, ladies, don't do this to a guy. Uh, it made a lot of sense in the Bible and in this time and in this culture for what she did. But my advice, do not do this. You will freak that guy out. Um, but Boaz doesn't freak out. At least it doesn't seem like he does. What is his response to all of this? Uh, and, and what would your response be? I know I said my response, but, but think about that for a second. What would your response be? My goodness, it's crazy. Boaz's response is very nuanced. And don't miss the first part of what he says. And I'm, I'm skipping to verse 10 of chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 10 of Ruth, if you want to follow along with me there. I'll give you a second. Boaz says this. I'm going to put this up here. He says, may you be blessed by the Lord. It's the first thing he says after she has snuck into his house, taken the blanket off of his feet and woken him up at 3 a.m. He says, may you be blessed by the Lord. My daughter, you have made this last kindness greater than the first in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I, this is Boaz, I am a redeemer. Yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight and in the morning. If he will redeem you, good. Let him do it. But if he is unwilling to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Now lie down until the morning. Is that not an incredible response? I'm going to break it down for you in, in my words, my, my 27-year-old words. He basically says, may the Lord bless you, immediately bringing the Lord into the situation. Earlier in the passage, it says that Boaz had been partying 
Uh, he, at least he had a party. That, that might hold different connotations nowadays. But he had a party, uh, and he drank until his heart was merry. Now, I'm not saying that he was drunk or anything like that, but he had had something to drink. And yet, the first thing he does is he brings the Lord into the situation. I wish I could say that I do that every time, but I don't, and I know I need to do better than that. Next, he says, do not fear. We see that Boaz is concerned about Ruth's well-being even above his own. And then he says, I will do what you want me to do, basically, and I will do it the right way. Boaz is not only willing to redeem Ruth, but he wants to follow the law at the time and do things the right way. You see, in the story of Ruth, Boaz is referred to as a kinsman redeemer. And what that means is that since Boaz is related to the line of Elimelech, and that line has all but ended due to the death of Elimelech and his two sons, it is the responsibility of Elimelech's closest relative to marry into the family and have a son, thus carrying on the family name and legacy. Not Boaz's family name and legacy. He's not completely letting go of that, letting go of that. But the emphasis is on Elimelech's family line, name, and legacy. You see, everything hinges on Boaz's decision here. Will he choose to follow the law and tradition, marry Ruth, and therefore redeem her, Naomi, and their family name? Or will he simply go on with life and not do any of that? And again, Boaz doesn't skip a beat. In the heat of the moment, he tells Ruth, yes, I will redeem you. This should be the point of the story uh, or, or movie uh, where, you know, you're kind of watching it and you're seeing it happen and you're like, is it gonna, yes, trying to think of a movie. And for somebody that loves movies, boy, am I going blank right now. But it's that moment where, yes, the, the protagonist does the right thing or maybe, maybe the antagonist switches sides and you're like, oh yeah, baby, here we go. That is this point, yes. And so I think we should all do that. So on the count of three, let's all give a little fist pump and say yes. One, two, three, yes, awesome. And in chapter four, we see the events play out perfectly. First off, Boaz goes to the other kinsman redeemer, a relative of Elimelech, who is technically closer in line to marry Ruth and redeem her family. And after a brief discussion, the other kinsman redeemer tells Boaz that he does not want to marry Ruth and that Boaz is welcome to if he would like. In chapter four, verse nine, if you want to turn there for me, we're skipping ahead a little bit. We see Boaz tell everyone around him what has happened. He says in verse nine, to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I, Boaz, have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Chilion and to Malon. Those are their two sons that, that passed away. Also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon, I have bought to be my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead, not his own name, the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthy, worthily in Ephrathah. I can't say that word. <laughs> Ephrathah. And be renowned in Bethlehem. I laugh because I've only practiced this a couple times and mess it up every time. <laughs> oh, does somebody know how to say it? Somebody say it for me. Oh, I thought, man. 
So excited. Okay, verse 12. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the woman said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the woman of the neighborhood gave him a son, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. See, the crazy thing about this story, this book that is called Ruth, is it's, it's, it's not even about Ruth. And in a lot of ways, it's, it's not about Boaz. And even though I just emphasize Naomi, it's not about Naomi either. It's about God and his story and the ways that he uses his people, these broken people, to come together and to glorify him through their love and their faithfulness. So, we learned several things from Boaz in this story, but we're going to focus on three of them this morning. If you are taking notes, these are the three things that you should write down, and there may be a fourth one later on. The first thing, Boaz's godly character is exposed through his actions and words. Just by looking at how Boaz treated Ruth, his servants, and those around him, we can clearly see that he was a man of integrity. He valued generosity in how he treated his workers and Ruth. He was considerate in letting others glean from his fields. He protected Ruth by encouraging her to glean in his fields where he knew she would be safe. He graciously communicated with Ruth, even when she literally startled him in the middle of the night. And Boaz was selfless in redeeming Naomi's family name by marrying Ruth and also fulfilling God's law at the same time. So, taking a step back, if we are Ruth in this story, we're lost, we're lacking, we are in need of redemption, then Boaz is Christ. He is selfless, he's sacrificial, and he is loving. And don't forget that, that we are Ruth, and that Boaz is Christ in this story, that Boaz is a type of Christ. We're going to come back to that in just a second. Second thing for today Boaz's words and actions result in the redemption and restoration of others. At the end of the story, Ruth is, is redeemed. And, and through Ruth being married to Boaz, Naomi and her line are redeemed. And even Boaz is given a new purpose in life. I mean, everything was great. Everything was fine. He was, he was successful. Uh, he had fields. He had workers. And yet, God continued to come in and shake up things and use Boaz because Boaz was willing to be used by God. And it doesn't stop there. The ultimate effect of Boaz's willingness to follow God's plan for his life, if you flip to the end of chapter four, you will see a genealogy. We see that Ruth and Boaz are ancestors to the famous King David, somebody that we, we studied just last year for like three or four months, a very, very important person in, in the story of in God's story of redemption. And, and subsequently, and this is when it gets crazy, not only is, is King David an ancestor, but 
Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is born from this line. You know, I feel like if we, if we took a snapshot of God's redemption story, which is, you know, he created, uh, we sinned, he sent his Son uh, so that we could have a way to come to him, and then he is restoring. If that's the whole story, and we zoom in, you know, we might see Jesus Christ being born. We zoom in even a little bit more along this timeline, and we see King David, and then we kind of shift a little bit, shift a little bit, and we zoom, 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 we see Boaz. He had a part in this story. Then we zoom back out, and we see God's story. It's just amazing. Lastly, our third main point for today. We are Ruth, just like I said earlier, but it doesn't just stop there. We also have the opportunity to be Boaz, Just like Boaz, we have the same important decision to make every single day. Are we going to live today for ourselves? Or are we going to live today for Christ and for others, knowing that we fall into his redemption story one way or another? I'm going to repeat that one more time. Are we going to live today for ourselves? Or are we going to live today for Christ and for others, knowing that we fall into his redemption story one way or another. In our own unique and special ways, we all have the abilities to bring Christ into each and every day of our lives. Whether it is showing generosity to someone who has less than us or showing grace to someone who may not deserve it or maybe they just haven't earned it. Maybe it is going the extra mile and doing something extraordinary for someone in your family because you know deep down that is simply the right thing to do. And yeah, I've brought in family. Family is hard. Family is hard. We love them, but it's not easy being family sometimes. And all of these things that I just said, all these examples are things that Boaz chose to do for those around him. And on a much greater and grander scale, those are things that Christ has done, is doing, and will do for you and for me. Okay. So what? Uh, I, I attended a church uh, a little while back. I've gone a couple of times. Um, and they had this little thing they did each week uh, where the pastor would say, so, towards the end of his message. And everybody else would respond with, so what? And when I say it like that, it sounds cheesy. And it is cheesy. Uh, but we're going to try it just because I, I wanted to try it. You know, maybe this will be the last time we do it, and that's okay. So I'm going to say, so, y'all respond with, so what? Okay, here we go. So, man, I heard the enthusiasm, some of you. I heard that inflection. That was nice. I'm glad you asked. Uh, and if you only hear one part of the message's story, or maybe you only leave with one thing, let it be this one thing. When we live as Boaz did, we open ourselves to God's redeeming love in us and through us. Now let's live that out together this morning. Got a challenge for you all right now and uh, an opportunity to follow through on it right here, right now. The challenge is this. What is one way that you and I, one way that we can reflect Jesus to those around us? And if I could like put a post-it note up there, it would say today at the end of that. What is one way we can reflect Jesus to those around us today? I'm going to ask that the band comes down here. We're, we're going to sing in just a second. Uh, but I'd like to first bring it back to the beginning of the service this morning when we had a chance as a body to do something together. 
Can anyone remember what that was? That's correct, we sang, and not only did we sing, but we prayed together. And not only did we sing and pray, we did it together as one body. We have an opportunity today to step out of our comfort zones and honestly into God's redemptive plan for our lives and for each other. And like Boaz, impact the lives of those around us right here, right now, today. After the service, we're having lunch together. Uh, either outside or inside, whatever is more comfortable with the weather. If you brought food, awesome. We have been talking about this for a couple of weeks, so some of you probably brought food. That's great. I did not, and that is also okay. Uh, No problem. I want to encourage you, go out, pick up something. Takeout and dining out has never been easier uh, than right now. Uh, so, So go do that. Come on back. We would love to eat with you and to be together with you. We will be around until at least 1230. I know some of y'all, you're talkers and you're slow eaters. I'm just kidding. I am the biggest talker and the slowest eater of all of us. My wife is back there nodding like, oh, yeah, he is. Um, so I say 1230, it'll be like 130. Uh, so if you're like in the drive-thru or things are going long, that's okay. Come back. Come back to us. It's worth it. If you're at home watching, awesome. When the broadcast ends, Come on over here. I have the address written down, but I feel like I shouldn't say that over a live broadcast. That's going to be posted online. So you can look up our address on mylcc.info, mylcc.info. Come join us. Bring a lunch. We would love to just just be together. I want to pray. Um, I'm going to invite you guys to stand uh, as I pray, and and when I'm done, we're going to sing. God, we come to you this morning humbled by Boaz and his character. God, we thank you for the Christ-like example that he is for us. We pray, God, that in this moment, however we are feeling, whether it is happy and joyful or or maybe even broken or guilty or defeated, God, that we choose to sing praises to you. You are worth all of our praise, God. Changes from being less like ourselves and more like Christ in this moment. Help our growth in being more like Christ result in an outpouring of redeeming love towards our families, our friends, our coworkers, our strangers, and each other, God. Unite us as one body of Christ. It's in your name, God, that we pray. Amen.